My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go down, go down shouting <laughs> and blessing the Lord. Uh, you know, it's not what you know at the beginning of the race that counts. It's what you have the privilege of discovering while you're walking the path. Has anybody found some treasure along the way that you didn't know was in the kingdom when you started out? But it's what you find while you walk with God that makes all the difference in the world because the treasures are always hid in the field. They're never found at the altar. They're hid in the field and you've got to go looking for them. It's the pearls that you've got to search while you're searching for the goodly pearls that you find the pearl of great price. How many of you have been searching for some good stuff and, and you were looking for good stuff, but you really found the great while you were looking for the good? Because God reveals it on the path as you walk the path and as you continue to follow on to know the Lord because they're not going to be given to you. Here's the difference between a good church and a great church. In Ezra chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says that Israel sang responsively according to the ordinance of David as the foundation of the temple was laid. And I believe it's in how the church responds. It's not in how good the preaching is. It's not in how good the singing is. It's how good the church responds. That's the reason why this is a great church is because we know how to respond to the Spirit when it moves. And, and we've got some people that really know how to respond to the Spirit, but they couldn't respond to the Word to save their poor little neck. But I, I thank God for a church that knows how to respond not only to the Spirit... I thank God for a church that knows how to respond to the singing. I love good singing, but I want people who love the word of God because responding to the word is vitally important. And also how we respond to the challenges and the crises that we face in our lives. But I thank God that if we respond in faith and faithfulness, that God will be with us through the, the trial. And it's also how we respond to opportunities. Do you know that we've got a great opportunity to be the church during this hour and let people know who we are and what we are and, and to know that we're not going to be shaken by what's going on around us because we're going to stand firm in the truth and in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how many of you are thankful that your faith is still strong? How are you doing emotionally right now? You say, well, I'm a little shook up. Well, I think you ought to just clap your way through it. I think you ought to shout your way through it. You ought to praise your way through it. 
Well, I, I, I'm just a little bit disturbed. Well, you have to be crazy not to be a little bit disturbed by what's going on in our world. But just because it's affecting the world don't mean it has to affect Israel. Because it can be happening in Egypt and Israel still be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Does anybody agree with the fact that God's going to be with us and he's going to fight our battle and he's going to be on our team and he's going to bring us through? Well, I believe it. Rick Hoyt was 15 years old when an athlete in his school was injured and a 5K marathon was set up to raise funds for the athlete. Five kilometers is not difficult for a healthy team, but Rick was a quadriplegic and he needed help. So he turned to his father and on that special computer created by Tuft University with which Rick communicates, he asked his father if he would help him run the race. And his father placed Rick in a makeshift wheelchair and it's now in the Massachusetts Sports Hall of Fame. And as Rick rode in the wheelchair, it was his father that ran behind him, pushing him across the finish line. And when Rick crossed the finish line, he had a big old smile on his face and his father was from that point hooked on helping his son run races all over the world for over a quarter of a century from that time because of the tremendous joy that his son and in his, in his first words when he got, when he finished the race, they didn't win the race, but they finished the race. And see, some of you, 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 you got that competitive edge about you. You got to win. No, you, you need to finish. Turn to your neighbor if it's your family and just say this. If you finish, you win. <laughs> if you finish, you win. I said, church, if we finish, I feel like finishing the race. And don't tell me we can't finish this race. See, this is what I want sinners to feel whenever they come to church, because this is what Rick said. Rick told his dad, he said, I felt like I wasn't handicapped at all. And, and it was that feeling that he gave his son that uh, caused him to want to be the partner with him in all of the races that they ran together. And they made all kinds of different contraptions to be able to do the Iron Man stuff. I mean, they went and did all kinds of crazy things all over the world. And they ran duathlons and triathlons and they just... Uh, and because he had his dad's arms and legs, he was able to do what he could not do alone. And so I don't think you're going to make it through this alone. But I, oh, but you see, you got somebody pushing you. You got somebody on your team. And I want you to feel like this. I feel like I've never been in the world. 
I feel like I've never sinned. I feel like I'm clean today because I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I don't even feel handicapped. It doesn't even feel like Corona edition of church. It feels like old-fashioned Holy Ghost mighty move of the power of God. And so whenever Tufts University created the first computer that gave Rick the ability to communicate, uh, the first words that he said when he was able to communicate on that computer is, I can, I can, I can. And that's exactly what we need to get into our spirit. I can, I can, I can. And we will. <laughs> I just want to know, do you have your daddy on your side? Because if you got daddy on your side, there's no devil that can defeat you. If daddy's fighting your battle and running the race with you, I'm not alone in this race. I'm not going on my own strength. I've got the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. So it's how we respond to a crisis. It's how you respond to these situations. That's the reason why, and, and I know a lot of people don't understand why we caution them about Facebook and how they respond on Facebook and how you air your feelings there. And, and really it's because you cannot win victory over what you are complaining about. You should have learned that lesson from Israel when they complained their way into defeat. He said, as a matter of fact, it was my predestined will to bring them through Kadesh Barnea and give them the promised land, but because they complained, I wiped them out in the wilderness. This is exactly what the Bible says. He said, it was my predestined will, but complaining will trump the predestined will of God in your life of what God has purposed for you, your complaining will destroy it. That's the reason why I don't want you on there. So I'm not cautioning you to try to limit your freedom or try to you know, hold you back from expressing your emotions. I'm trying to give you a right perspective of things so that your faith can respond to the word of God correctly so that the Father starts pushing you in the race. Because if you're just doing this by yourself, you're going to wear out pretty quick. But if you allow the dad to come alongside you, if you allow your Jesus to come alongside you, he'll give you the strength to do what you cannot do by yourself. And so, of course, Psalm, uh, Psalm declares that we're going to be able to make it. And the Philippians declares in 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I like the way Eugene Peterson read this. And he said, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything. And the one who makes me who I am. You see, the reason why I know you can make it is because I know who you are. You may not know who you are, and the trial may cause you to forget who you are, but I promise you that you are who Jesus says you are. Not what the world says you are, not what you, your family might think of you, not what people around you might say who you are. I'll tell you who you are. This book tells me who you are and whose you belong to. 
You don't belong to this world. You don't belong to the, to the people that are complaining and broken and bruised. You belong to the overcomers. You belong to the company and the assembly of the upright. You belong to the one that has died on the cross for your sins and you ought to respond accordingly. Your response ought to be in the same kind as who you you belong to and whose you are. I'm a child of the king. I've been bought with a price. I've been given the righteousness of Jesus to walk in the earth. I've been given authority in the Holy Ghost. I may not be able to do anything about other people's response, but I can respond right. I can respond right. I can't change your response. I mean, I can instruct you. That's the only reason why I don't want you doing all of those things is because I want you to be a great child of God. I want the Father to come alongside you. And I know that you disconnect from him whenever you complain and you vent those things and you allow that negativity to come out of your spirit. Then your testimony is destroyed. Then how are you going to bless people when you're cursing them? You can't bless and curse up out the same mouth. It just doesn't work. That's what James was trying to tell us. So I'm just trying to communicate the wisdom of God to people. I'm not trying to shut you down. I'm just trying to direct you on a path that will lead you to the proper way of responding because I want you to be a great church. That's what's made this a great church all of these years is because we have responded correctly to the crisis at hand and we've responded according to the word of God. Now, you can try to meet the challenge with self-confidence, but self-confidence is an illusion. People admire that perhaps, and maybe that might be one of the skills that employers are looking for, and self-confidence might be attractive, but it's not going to get you very far in the kingdom of God because everybody's got hang-ups. So some of your, your hang-ups are hung up on the hang-ups. You know, but you've got to learn to overcome hang-ups. Everybody's got phobias and depressions and anxieties and so forth, and there's just no silver bullet that I have found that can destroy all of that. You're going to have to learn. If you get into ministry and you get into leadership, you might as well get ready for the battle of your life because you're going to get shot at. I mean, as soon as you say, I'm anointed of the Holy Ghost, as soon as you declare you've got authority, you might as well. There are going to be 15 people say, yeah, I know who you are. You little meathead, you think you got all, I'll show you, you ain't got nothing. I mean, and they, they make it their point in life. They're just motivated by a dark spirit and they will operate in that, that realm. And you just cannot kill those insecurities. But if your dad's pushing the wheelchair. <laughs> Whoa, hallelujah. I wish somebody would get this at nine o'clock. I know you're not woke up yet, but I'll tell you if your daddy's pushing the wheelchair, we're going to have church up in here no matter what your challenges are, no matter what your hangups are, no matter what your problems are. I don't want to fall short in this hour. I want to enter into the rest. So I speak rest upon this people. I speak rest upon you. I know that sometimes our pursuit 
often fall short, but self-confidence is kind of like that illusion. You never can quite get there. It's like Shakespeare's King Lear who was stripped of all of his kingly trappings and all of his royal dignity, and he cried out, who is it that can tell me who I am? And it's always the world saying, who is it that can tell me who I am? Well, let me tell you who I know. Because it's not what you know, it's uh, who you know. I, I know you got the little, the little tiny train engine who said, I think I can, and because I think I can, I will. And that sounds really good, and that's good to teach children to try to develop self-confidence, but that's not enough to get you through some valleys I've been through. Has anybody had some weaknesses in your life, even in serving God, that you felt like you were never going to be able to get through? How many of you have had some sorrows in your life that you just can't explain and you didn't even know if you're going to get through those sorrows? How many of you have felt the bleakness and the darkness of your inner soul? Well, I promise you, there's no joy in those dark valleys. But when I seen the light that God said, weeping may endure for a night, if you can just make it through the darkness if you can just make it through the night Woo. I said church if you can make it through the night you'll come out on the other side weeping may endure for a night but joy I said joy is gonna come in the morning I can will take you far, but it won't take you through all of that. But if you can say, Lord, I can't run this race by myself. I can't face life alone. I can't make it by myself. I believe that God will, will, will help you. Now, when we say I can do all things through Christ strengthening me, that doesn't mean you can ride to the moon on a bicycle. Okay, well, you have to understand the context of that scripture. If you put it back in its context, you find out and discover what it means. It means life's going to throw you some curves. And there's going to be, even though you're serving the Lord, Paul was serving the Lord. He was telling the Philippian church, I was serving the Lord. And I met with all sorts of craziness on my journey. But what he's saying, no matter what you face, I mean, you don't orchestrate all of the stuff he went through. He was a five-talented man in the New Testament. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, impeccable education, trained by the rabbi Gamaliel, stratospheric intellect, expressive language skills, great connections, bright future, up until it got really bright on the Damascus Road. I mean, the brightness outshined his intellect. And he found out who he was fighting. He wasn't fighting the Christians. He was fighting his Lord God. Now, he just thought he was fighting Jesus of Nazareth in some uh, spiritual sect of the, of, the, uh, of the Jewish faith that was broken and that he wanted to try and fix it and he wanted to try to put it down. But he was fighting against Jehovah God of the Old Testament. He was fighting against the creator. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. 
Because he didn't say, oh, you're persecuting this one or you're persecuting that. He said, you're persecuting me. And when you come against all of this stuff and you start cursing everything around you, you're not fighting the trouble. You're fighting the Lord and it's keeping Jesus from pushing the wheelchair. My, my, my. Now, I want you to be able to say I can do all things through Christ. But if you're going to do that, now, now here's, here's what you need to understand. I can, through Christ, recognize that I have hidden treasure along the path. That if you can walk the path, there's going to be hidden strength. Ten times John quoted Jesus as saying that we should learn to abide in God. When our branch is connected with Jesus Christ, we have tremendous power. We have hidden power. Jesus told the church located in Pergamos. Now, this is what you have to understand about Pergamos, and you got to study its history. But he said, the dwelling place of Satan is here. But you have kept my faith and not denied his name. Now, you say, well, Brother Kenzie, there, the devil is, is, is ruling in Pensacola. Well, the devil's ruling over, he's the prince and the power of the air. He's ruling over the whole world right now. I mean, I've talked with people that are into the ambassador situation in the United Nations, and they'll tell you right now, our world leaders are demon-possessed. They've seen the demons operate as they've been in meetings with them and the power that they exude is not human power nor is it political power. It's demonic. And there's no doubt about it that there are demons that are behind all of the things that you see. If you feel like it doesn't make any sense, are you feeling like that everybody's decisions don't make a lick of sense? They don't even have common sense today. Well, that's the reason why they're being driven by another power that has an agenda that they're not even aware of. Because the devil has an agenda, but he's not going to win his strategies. Church, we're not ignorant of the devil's strategies. We know what he's up to. We know he's at work in the earth, but I have kept the faith and I have not, Sister Joanne, denied his name. Woo, hallelujah. And so all you need is hidden manna because he said, if, if you will do this, I'll give you hidden manna. I'll give you hidden treasures. I'll give you hidden strength. You're going to discover hidden ability. Some of you are going to get a, you're going to get a new anointing and a fresh anointing. You're not even going to know where it comes from. You're going to wake up one morning and you're going to go to bed feeling bad. You're going to wake up and feel joyous. And all of a sudden, you're going to say, well, what happened? So, well, I, I just wake up and I feel troubled. I'm going to slap that trouble up at you right now in Jesus' name. It's time for you to quit waking up troubled and start waking up with hidden manna. It's a, mm, I didn't even know God had that. I think I'm going to respond to that. I think I'm going to keep the faith. 
when you look like you're on your last leg, God shows up and says, hey, let me push you for a while. If I got to pick you up and carry you, I'll carry you across the finish line. That's the kind of commitment God has. It's hidden in the sense not that you can't find it. God's not trying to hide it from you so you can't find it. It's you've got to keep walking because he's got clues along the way. It might be unrecognized. It might be overlooked. But it is the power of grace and faith and joy and worship and leaning on him and looking to him and crying out to him. It's like Elisha telling his servant, I know my friend. It looks like that the Syrian army's got us surrounded and they're only looking for me. So you, you can rest assured, servant, they're not going to take you. They only want me. So that ought to give you some comfort. But you need to see who's on our side. And then he prayed. He said, God, open up this kid's eyes so he can see all of this business around us. And when he saw chariots and angels... How do you think Israel won the six-day war? They didn't win it because they were a military power. They won it because the angels came and fought that battle for them. And I'm going to tell you, in the valley of Jezreel, the whole world's going to come against Jerusalem. And it's shaping up pretty much to become that in the next few years. But I promise you, God will bring them to the valley of the Megiddon, and he will destroy the armies of the earth, and Jesus is going to return. You might as well get ready. More are they that are with us than they that are with them. You got a hidden resource. You got somebody pushing the wheelchair. Do you ever feel like you're not enough to handle what's going on around you? Am I the only one that ever feels like that? Insecure? Like, my God. Do I have to face this bunch one more time? I'm teasing now. <laughs> Whoa, Jesus, help me. And somehow in the midst, when I feel like I can't do it, God says, that's what I wanted to see right there. When I feel like I don't have the strength, God says, you're doing good. Keep on, keep walking. I've got another treasure over here. It's, it's hidden not because I'm hiding it from you. It's hidden because you're not at the place where I can show you. Whoa. Oh, I just, I just gave you the best thought, and y'all just sat there and looked at me like I'd lost my mind. Oh, it said, I, I, you're in the journey, but you haven't gone far enough, and you're not where you need to be so I can show you what I want to show you. But I don't have the strength. God says, good. I can't make it. That's where I want you. There's nothing I can do. Woo! God starts shouting. He's finally woke up. The dummy has woke up. The dummy has woke up. He can't do it. You can't do it in your own strength. But I know somebody who can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Through Christ, you have the power to become. 
Through Christ, you have the power to change. Through Christ, you have the power to start over. Through Christ, you have the power to be set free. Through Christ, you have the power to be healed. Through Christ, there you have the power to be at peace. I thought it was so interesting, Brother Josh Heron shared with me a story that one of the evangelists had heard in one of his travels where the church had been hit very hard with COVID-19. And one of the ladies was on a ventilator or something in the hospital, incubated or, or however, and that she was struggling for her life. And the Lord woke her up. Well, she just woke up, and I guess they had her sedated, but through the sedation, God woke her up. In the midst of all of that, God woke her. Now, if God wakes you up, you're going to wake up. <laughs> Whether you want to wake up or not, and I'm not sure she either wanted to under the circumstances. And the boy spoke to her and said, you shall live and not die. And that's what God gave me to pray over this church. And, and uh, I received that in the spirit. And so I've been praying that you're going to live and not die. And so it was confirmation. She woke up, pulled everything out. And she went home the next day, released from the hospital, completely healed. I ain't never in all my life. Woo! But when you got daddy pushing the wheelchair, I said, when you got daddy pushing the wheelchair, you got a hidden resource of treasure that you found while you walked with God. You didn't know that at the beginning of the journey. You didn't see that, but you can do all things and you can seize every possibility. You can go to teamhoyt.com and see all the exploits that that team did together in their uh, journeys if you want to. And they wrote a book called It's Only a Mountain. And what happened is they went to, you know how it goes, uh, what is that rule, Murray's Law? It, it, Murphy's Law, okay. I, I, I'm getting mixed up with Murray and Murphy. See how it is? <laughs> Murphy's Law comes to pass again. If it can go wrong, it will. And if it isn't going wrong way, it'll, it will. Well, they went to Hawaii and they were climbing this mountain, some kind of Ironman or triathlon. I don't know what all it was that they were competing in. But uh, as it would have... The bike broke down. You know, you're going to have a breakdown somewhere along the path. And uh, during the, the marathon, Rick's father developed blisters on his feet. So he removed his socks, wrong thing. And it got worse. Blood was coming out of his tent. They finished the race because they've never been in a race where they not finished. They've never been in a race where they didn't finish the race. And then Rick's father's attitude was just amazing because they asked him, why in the world, what in the world were you thinking? We could have sent a helicopter. We could have sent a paramedic team. We could have picked you up. He said, it's only a mountain. It's only a virus. <laughs> it's only... The, the world system is trying to take over the whole world. 
before you know it, you're going to have United Nation tanks running through town. And what our local police won't do to shut us down, a Russian, Chinese, Iranian, Iraqi combined military force will come in here and shut us all down. See what I'm saying? It's not the virus that we need to be concerned about. Yes, you need to be safe, and that's why we're doing all that we're doing. I want you to be safe. So worry about that in that sense. But what I am saying, there's forces behind this church. I'm sorry, they're there. But I promise you, it's only a mountain. And if I can get you across the finish line, we win. So I'm going to keep on pushing. Isn't that the reason why the Bible promised us in Deuteronomy 33, 25, he'll give us shoes of iron and of brass so that we can walk up the mountain. It's only a mountain. I can do all things. 7,000 promises of God in the Bible, exceeding great in promises, great, powerful promises. And all of these promises are there, are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Now, here's a lesson I want to teach you, and I'm going to leave you with this, okay? Here's the lesson you need to learn. Henry Ward Beecher was a great preacher. Some of you may have heard of him, those of you that study preachers of old, and I do. Uh, he was a great preacher at one time. Many, many years ago, probably, I think in the 18th century, maybe the 17th, I don't know, somewhere back there. And when he was a little boy, he was in school, and he was asked to recite a verse. And the teacher brought him up in front of the whole class. While he was reciting, the teacher said, no! Boy, immediately that dude sat down. Bam! I mean, he couldn't find the seat fast enough. It embarrassed him. Then the other boy got up and she called, or teacher called this other child up and he began to um, recite the same verse. And the teacher again, in the middle of the verse, shouted, no! Boy kept right on reciting. You know, he was one of those defiant, hey, teacher ain't gonna tell me what to do. <laughs> do y'all know anybody like that? <laughs> I've known a, f a couple of saints like that, not here, but you know, somewhere. I've evangelized a lot of places, but not here. And, and he just kept right on going. He finished the verse. Well, then after the class, Beecher didn't understand why the teacher had done this and why she uh, had actually approved of the boy finishing the verse when they shouted no. And the teacher explained to Beecher, the world's going to tell you no. But that don't mean you have to listen. You need to say yes when the world says no. <laughs> Woo! Is anybody in the house tonight or today? This feels like Sunday night. That's how good it is in here. It's Sunday night on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I say, church, let the world say no, but I say. We're going to make it. 
Amen. Now, I've preached the 11 o'clock services, and I've preached the 9 o'clock services, and I like them 9 o'clock services a lot better. Y'all are the favorite part. Y'all know how to dig the well. That's why you've been through some stuff. All that younger bunch, if they can't get to Starbucks and spend $6 on a latte, they've got a bad spirit. Y'all know what it's like to have some tough times and go through some lean times, but you made it through because you got daddy pushing the wheelchair. Does anybody have a hidden source of power? I don't know where it came from. I feel limited and handicapped. So in the book, it's only a mountain. I said that was my last point. This is my last point. I forgot this one, okay? They said, what hooked you? Why are you doing this? He says, well, I've crossed the finish line and I see my son laugh as if he is filled with joy. He said, I'm hooked to do it again. And if somehow... God can get you across the finish line, get you through your trial, and if he can see you laugh, I made it. I believe God's hooked to do it again. Woo! Do it again. Come on, God, we need you to push the wheelchair through this crisis. I need to get to the other side. So, the bottom line is, it was the son's response to the father's help that made him want to do it again. <laughs> it's up to you now. It's how you respond. Oh, well, I'll get on Facebook. Well, I, was, I had to go to 9 o'clock service. Preacher was screaming and I was tired. <laughs> Woke me up and I was mad. Well, that's not quite the response. God ain't going to be pushing your wheelchair nowhere. You stuck on the mountain with the bike broke down. Huh? Yeah. No, but if you can respond with joy, I made it. Now, just think back, and I know most of you have been through a lot. Probably all of you have been through a lot to get to where you are now. And there's no telling what all you've been through. We heard your story, we'd all start crying. There's no doubt about it. We'd all start crying. I mean, and I, I say that uh, jokingly, but I'm not being facetious. It's the truth. We'd all weep because of the pain you've been through. But you made it through. And that's why I want you to respond with joy because I need God to do it again. <laughs> I mean, we're going through a very difficult time right now. And, and the mind games are being played by the world and the media. 
And there's no doubt about it, every one of us are susceptible. And I don't even listen to that junk anymore. I'm not, I mean, I'm on Facebook, but other people do my Facebook. So if you're looking at my Facebook, my Facebook is what other people do. And so that I don't, I don't fool with none of it because I don't, I got too many avenues, too many people have too many ways to get to me now. <laughs> I don't need one more. Don't, don't create another one. They say there's Instagram. I ain't getting on it. They say there's this and that. I, I do, I tweet. I don't tweet, but people tweet for me. I Facebook and I LinkedIn. I'm linked. <laughs> I got a Facebook and that's it. And email, of course, and texting and all of that. And cell phone, Lord have mercy. It is the mark of the beast. It's a sin to have a cell phone of any sort. If you got a cell phone, sell it. You know I'm kidding you. I'm just trying to make a point to you that there's so many ways to get information today and that information can distress you. And I want you, I'm not saying don't be informed. I'm just, you can be informed, but get into this word and let the word of God trump it all. And let God push your wheelchair. Now I want you to connect with just your families, if you would, right now that are around you. And if you're around somebody who's not a part of your family, you might just want to keep a little bit about a six-foot deal. But I want you to pray right now, and I want you to lift up your voice, and I want you to declare that we're going to go through this to the other side, and we're going to see Jesus glorified through our lives and we're going to respond in joy. We're going to respond in joy. It's the son's response to the father's ministry that hooked him to do it again. church that we respond right to the crisis to the spirit to the word to the opportunities that we have oh yes he's going to push you through this he's done it before laugh in his presence be joyful in his glory Yes. Pray. Pray with a fervency. Pray with an intercession. Pray with a joy. Pray with a peace. A hidden resource. A joy that's unspeakable. A peace that passes understanding. A joy full of glory. If anyone would like special prayer, I want you to come to the front. We do want to pray with you. If you're comfortable with that, if you're not, we'll just stretch out our hand towards you. But even if you want special prayer, I want you to come to the front right now. We're going to pray with you and for you that God would minister to you and that God would help you and strengthen you. I know that the Lord 
the Lord is, is talking to us. hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.